0: Seventeen, John Seventeen, with me this morning, and Brother Colton has a few uh, lessons back there. Uh, how much you charge him, Brother Colton? Twenty bucks. That's a pretty good deal. Uh, if you need one, uh, hold. Just wave your twenty dollar bill in the air. He'll smell it and find you. All right. Lesson number twelve, the journey to the cross. We're going to. Uh, the plan is to finish up this lesson today, and then uh, we have just one more lesson uh, in this series. Uh, we're probably going to not start that until January 1st, and that'll be Lesson 13, and it'll be the last lesson in this series of the Journeys of Faith, and uh, so near the end of January, uh, we're going to start a new Adult Sunday School uh, lesson uh, series. I'll uh, talk about that uh, probably Uh, On the first, we'll probably wait till the first to mention that, but uh, uh, finishing up today lesson 12, the journey to the cross, talking about Jesus of course and uh, what an appropriate time to do so as uh, even the world who hates Christ uh, is required, whether they want to or not, to be uh, bombarded with the thought of Christ coming to this earth and the reason he came of course was to go to the cross And we'll look together at John 17. Uh, We won't read the whole passage. We've been looking at it now for a while, but we'll read the first little bit. It says in verse 1, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. I have glorified Thee on the earth, I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. I have manifested Thy name unto the men which Thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and Thou gavest them me, and they have kept Thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee, for I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee. And they have believed that thou didst sent me. And I love this, verse 9, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Let's pray together. Lord, as we look at Jesus' journey to the cross this morning, Lord, as we see the culmination of this truth today, Lord, I pray that you would focus our minds and hearts. Lord, as we as a culture look to this week as Christmas season, Lord, as we look forward to celebrating you coming, Lord, may we not forget in the midst of the festivities, in the midst of all of that, that. Lord, the reason you came was to go to the cross. Lord, I pray this morning as we examine that thought, that walk of faith, Lord, that you would remind us of what you've done. Lord, that we would glory in you and what you've done for us. And Lord, that we would share that wonderful story with the lost world, those around us. Lord, would you work? Uh, Do your will in our hearts. God, help me to teach you right, your truth this morning. Lord, we ask for your help. We ask you to meet with us, help us, change us. In your precious name we pray, amen. We spent a couple of weeks on the last Sunday. Brother Will was speaking, so we've been about uh, four weeks ago or three weeks ago. We started looking at this thought of the journey to the cross of Christ And I want you to take your notes, and I want us to catch up just a little bit, and I want to get to spend some time this morning at this last thought that we're going to look at. But number one, as I gave you a few weeks ago, this journey to the cross was a planned journey. How many of you remember the days of MapQuest? How many are that old? I remember you you were going to go on a trip, and you'd go on MapQuest, How many of you would print off the directions, turn-by-turn directions, keep them within your vehicle? I used to do that. Uh, My wife and I were traveling across the U.S. I'd I'd print off turn-by-turn directions. And I would also, as I printed off turn-by-turn directions, I would make plans. I would make plans for where I was going to eat, Brother Mike. If we were driving 10 or 12 hours, I had to make sure that I knew where I was going to eat. And we tried to plan our stops, if we're on the road a long way, for Cracker Barrel. And Cracker Barrel was a comfortable place to go and sit down and unplug for a little bit on a long trip. And the food was good, so we would, we would plan our trip accordingly. We would make a purposeful trip. Can I tell you that Jesus did not accidentally end up at the cross? It was not happenstance that our Lord would go to Calvary. Rather, it was a planned journey. The crucifixion and all the surrounding events that go along with the crucifixion, they were preordained by God before time. In John 17, we see an acknowledgment here that the hour had come. Jesus acknowledges to the Father, Lord, it's It's time. That planned journey, letter A in your notes, was a personal journey. It was a personal journey. John 17, verse 1, uh, we see here, uh, these, uh, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And it goes on in verse 4, it says, I have glorified thee on the earth. Notice this phrase, this is vital in this text. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. This was a personal journey planned between the Father and the Son. Jesus said here as he prayed, I did what you sent me to do. I I followed the plan. The journey was planned before God, before God ever said, Let there be light before God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, before time as we know it even started, God had preordained and planned, the Bible says that the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That plan was said, it was a personal plan. By the way, when God created the heavens and the earth, God said, let us make man in our." God, the Father, communicating with the Son before time even began. It was a personal journey. It was a planned personal journey, a personal plan here between the Father and the Son. And we see that. We spent some time talking about that already Uh, John 1 1 in the beginning was the word the word was with God the word was God the same was in the beginning with God Uh, let us not forget as we celebrate the incarnation of Christ uh, as we take time to do so this week let us not forget Jesus Christ was not born 2,000 years ago he became flesh 2,000 years ago he always has been and by the way Mary is not his mother Uh, the vessel, rather, that God would come into this world through, uh, who always had been, who always will be the eternal God who took upon himself flesh, robed himself with flesh. And we see that picture beautifully in Scripture. So it was a personal journey. Letter B, it was a purposeful, a purposeful journey. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I don't want to embarrass you. But I wonder how many of you are having the same problems I'm having. Brother Hubert, you probably have the same malady I have. You go into a room, you're going to go get something. And you get there, and you can't remember why you were there. You've probably never done that, but I, I have. I'll go in. The other day I was here. I was at the church doing something, and I went to my office And I'm like, what was I supposed to get? And I left my office, and I remembered what it was, and I did something, I went back to my office, and I went, what? I was on my way home that evening before I realized I never did what I was going to do. Why am I here? Uh, What am I doing in this room? How did I get there? Uh, Some of you, when you get real bad, what happens is uh, you get to the bottom of a set of stairs. Miss Lois, I don't think this has happened to you yet. And you go, was I going up the stairs? Or was that coming down the stairs? Now, for me, that's not a problem. I always fall down the stairs. So if I'm standing up, it means I was going up the stairs. If I'm on the ground by the mic, it means I was coming down. But oftentimes, we forget what our purpose is. Can I tell you that the journey of our Lord to Calvary was a purposeful journey? It was purposeful. It was not accidental. It was planned. 1 John 5, 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true. Even in his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. What was the purpose? Why? Why would Jesus go through the horrors of Calvary, why why would he even leave heaven and allow himself to be in human flesh, to have aches and pains, allow himself to be, the Bible says, he wasn't hungered, he was thirsty, he was hated, he was rejected, he was despised. Why, Why would he experience all of that for you and for me? Number 1 the purpose was that you and I might have eternal salvation. He he was my paid my price. He fulfilled the obligation that I had on Calvary. But the second reason Jesus would go the second purpose not just to pay my price and your price, but the second reason was that he, by going to the cross, might glorify the Father. We so often forget that. Jesus' crucifixion, the, the, the pain and the torture, his death, all was glorifying to the Father. It was purposeful. It was purposeful. Last week or two weeks ago, we talked about number two there in your notes. It was a painful journey. A painful journey. A week from next Monday will be the one year anniversary of my graceful walking down the stairs, the front of the building that we have on video that graceful walk, Miss Lois, no concerns in all the world, until I went. And I don't mind telling you that it was a painful journey. It was a painful journey that still to this day carries some pain in that journey. But the journey of our Lord to Calvary was a horribly painful journey. The journey of the cross took Jesus through the Garden of Gethsemane. It took him up Golgotha's Hill, where he would experience unbelievable pain. That painful journey, letter A in your notes this morning, was partly because of personal betrayal. Personal betrayal. As he was instituting that supper, by the way, the supper that we're going to commemorate this Wednesday night. As we remember his death, as he commanded the disciples that night before he would be taken. As he was there gathered with those men, the twelve, that would walk with him and talk with him and be with him every day, see his miracles, hear his teaching. He was there at that table that he said, he it is who I give sop to is the one. And he gave to Judas and Judas would leave. And Judas would betray him. Judas wouldn't come and find him in the garden and punch him in the face. Rather, the Bible tells us, he told the soldiers, the one whom I kiss. That's the one. As he betrayed him with a kiss. Jesus would be taken by the soldiers, the other ten of the other twelve disciples, would not follow who we left alone only one peter would follow afar far off we we get mad at peter for following afar far off but can i tell you james and john didn't follow at all thomas and Bar- bartholomew didn't follow at all but peter followed afar far off and yet when given opportunity there at the mockery of the trial for his Savior, his Lord, his God, and his King, the one that Peter said, to whom will we go, thou hast the words of eternal life. When he had a chance, Peter had a chance to say, that's, that's my Savior. He's, he's my Lord. Fellas, that's the Messiah. Three times, Peter denied the Lord. Imagine that personal betrayal. And Jesus went through that for you. It was a painful journey. It was a painful journey. Peter, a Christian of a, a, picture of a Christian who is ashamed to be identified with Christ. I, I wonder how often we come to that. Many Christians today are seeking to blend in with the lost world around them. We want to hide. We don't want to stand out. We want to be camouflaged. Peter tried to camouflage himself. No, no, I'm not one of them. I'm just like you guys. I'm one of you. Christian, how painful, how hurtful is our actions and our heart when we're far from God to the heart of God? It was a personal betrayal, but not only that, let her be, it was physical beating. It went beyond just the personal betrayal. I'm not going to go into all of the things Jesus went through on the cross, but on his way there, you understand he was beaten, he had his beard plucked out. He had a crown of thorns plaited and beaten into his head with a rod. He was smitten in the face by Roman soldiers. He was whipped with a cat of nine tails. And after all of that, they placed the cross beam on his shoulders. And he would carry the cross until he could not go any further. It was then that Simon of Cyrene would pick up and carry his cross. He was then nailed to that cross. That cross was lifted into place, into that socket, and it would drop into that hole in the ground, and every one of his bones would come out of joint. And then he would suffer the agonizing death of the cross as literally he would be, lungs would be crushed, as he could not breathe, as he would have to pull himself and push on those spikes to get a bit of air and back down again as he would drown in his own blood. Can I tell you that Jesus went through horrible punishment and pain for you? But don't forget, not only was it painful, we saw already it was purposeful. It was purposeful. I remember the last big roller coaster I went on. It was called the Kraken down in SeaWorld in Florida. Anybody ever ridden the Kraken down in SeaWorld? I was on the Kraken. Don't do it. Whatever you do, don't do it. Carrie was pregnant. Carrie wasn't on the roller coaster. Let me preface this. Carrie was pregnant with Rebecca. We went down to visit her grandmother and aunt and uncle in Florida. We went to SeaWorld. Carrie, if Carrie wasn't pregnant, Carrie would not have got on the roller coaster. But she was pregnant. So I, I found a nice shaded spot. She sat there, and I said, hey, I'm like a little kid. I got to go ride the roller coaster. So I got in line. I was excited. I hadn't ridden a roller coaster in years. I was 20, 25, I think, at the time, 25 years old. Man, I was, I was ready to ride me a roller coaster. I got on that roller coaster, and can I tell you about one second after I got on it? Brother Mike, I wanted off of it. I closed my eyes. That's the worst thing you can do on a roller coaster. I closed my eyes. I began to pray, oh, God, even so come Lord Jesus. Like, get me off of this thing. I'm telling you, scared me to death. And to add insult to injury, not only was a 25-year-old Young guy, scared of the roller coaster. I had like this 70-year-old woman beside of me who was loving life and enjoying it. She went back and got in line again to ride it again. God's honest truth. But while I was on that, you know what my thoughts were? Lord, if you get me off of this thing, please, I won't get back on it. I promise. Like, get me off of this thing. I wanted off of it. I, had I known what I was going to experience, I would not have waited in line to ride that stupid thing. They mocked Jesus and said, Hey, if you're really God, come down. Did Jesus enjoy the cross? No. But to glorify the Father. It was purposeful for you and for me. He suffered. The Bible tells us in John 18 38, Pilate said to him, What is truth? When he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said unto them, I find no fault in him at all. All of this pain, all of this torture, and yet the, the leader of the day said, I find no fault. It was a painful journey. A painful journey. Number three. And I praise God for this this morning. It was a powerful journey. A powerful journey. We already saw there in John 18, but four times, four times, Pilate declared Jesus innocent. Yet, under public pressure, he gave into the crowd and ordered Jesus to be crucified. In John 19, and verse 17, it says, And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is in the Hebrew called Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth. The King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am King of the Jews. Can I tell you that Jesus on the cross and his journey there was a powerful, powerful journey. Letter A in your notes this morning, we see first of all the power of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The power of love. It was not the nails that held our Lord to that cross. It was love. It was not the Roman soldiers that took his life. He laid it down because of the power of love. Jesus bore his own cross, as I mentioned, on the journey to Golgotha we read just a moment ago. And he did so. He did so because of his love for you and his love for me. Later, Simon of Cyrene would come and carry it for him. It says in John 19, 17, And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the Place of a Skull. Which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, when Jesus' life was not taken. By the way, if you think that Roman soldiers or government or the world was powerful enough to capture the Lord of glory, to crucify him, you are sadly mistaken. He was not captured. He was not overpowered. He was not murdered, as we often think. Rather, he gave his life because of the power of love. Because of the power of love. Romans 5, verse 6 through 8 says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man. Some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's a powerful verse. It's probably one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. That while I was still a sinner, not, not while I was cleaning myself up and getting better and uh, being a better person, But while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in love. We're talking about the power of love. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet Smelling savor. Can I tell you the power of the love of Jesus Christ? It is the power that paid your debt. It's the power that would cause Him to die for you. As I think of the Father sending the Son to die, I imagine as a father... I know, I know without a doubt, and judge me if you will, but I know without a doubt there's no one here that I would let my child die for. I may die for someone in this room, but I wouldn't let my child die for them. No way. No way. And yet, Christ came to die for a people who would reject Him. Josh talked about yesterday evening, those that reject Christ and hate Christ, and yet He loves them. Can I tell you that God loves you? And it was the power of love. Not just the power of love, but let her be the power of humility. The power of humility. John nineteen, verse eighteen, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. Who was Jesus crucified with? The lowest of humanity. Those that had committed atrocities so bad that their culture said, we have to kill you. A thief, a murderer, and Jesus. The Son of God humbled himself to the death of the cross. Not a death where it was just him, but on either side, wicked, evil men. Men who would be the refuse of society. By the way, a picture, dear Christian friend, of me and you. And God had said, he's guilty. He's deserving of death eternal. And yet Jesus came and died in humility for me and for you. He died there in that place of the skull, that place of, Hated men, rejected men, evil men. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ bears the record of the power of his humility. His humility was displayed as he would be crucified between two thieves. The Bible says he was numbered. Numbered with the transgressors. Think about that. He was perfect. He was sinless. And yet he got numbered with the transgressors. He could have said, hold on, I'm I'm innocent. But what did he say? Thou hast said. Thou hast said. He humbled himself for you. That was the walk, the walk of faith of our Lord. It was a walk, a powerful walk, a powerful journey. We see the power, the humility of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53 says, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he had poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors, even though he was treated unfairly and he was, Jesus still offered pardon for sin. By the way, when that thief on the cross said, "Remember me, remember." Jesus didn't say, buddy, you're guilty. You deserve to be here. Just die and face your punishment. Rather, Jesus said today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. How wonderful. Even though he was treated unfairly, Jesus offered pardon for sin. We can thank the Lord today that the first words And I love this thought as we look at Luke, the first words that Jesus would speak, the first words recorded from the moment that he would be beaten all the way through carrying the cross to being nailed to the cross, to being lifted up on display as a mockery on that cross, the very first words recorded in Scripture. That Jesus would say, we find in Luke 23, verse 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. His first words were those of forgiveness forgiveness, not judgment, it's humility. The story is told of a preacher long ago. He told the story of having a dream, a dream about the crucifixion. In that dream, he was disgusted as he was a spectator, watching the horrors of Calvary unfold. And he was so disgusted, he decided to rush up and grab one of those Roman soldiers and pull him away as that soldier was beating Jesus Christ, his lovely Lord. And the preacher told the story in his dream that as he went and he grabbed the soldier, the soldier turned around. And as he turned around, he saw the face of the soldier. And it was his own face. His own face. Can I tell you that you and I, you and I are guilty. We're guilty. It was our sins that nailed Jesus to the cross. It wasn't the Roman government. It wasn't the soldiers. It wasn't Pilate. It wasn't the culture of the day, it wasn't the Pharisees, it wasn't the Sanhedrin, it was not Judas, it was me. It was you. I so said we see the power of love, we see the power of humility, and lastly, and I love this, we see the power of redemption. The power of redemption, let her see. John 19 and verse 30, the Bible says, when Jesus, therefore. Had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Why would he say that? It's finished. It's finished. The death of Jesus on the cross meant that the payment for our sin had been made. It was complete. It was finished. The wages of our sin is death. And Jesus said, it's finished. I've now paid the price. I've paid the price. How many of you have ever, probably most of you, ever bought a car and had financing on that vehicle? How many of you remember your last payment? Isn't that a wonderful thing? The last vehicle that I financed was a 1998 GMC Yukon, a vehicle that my family and I drove to Canada when we came 17 and a half years ago. We came to Canada in July, in January of that year, in 2005. I paid off that vehicle. Coming up on 18 years ago, I remember writing that check and putting it in the envelope and I called ahead, what's the payoff, the exact payoff for the whole loan. It was finished. You know, in February 20 of 2005, I didn't make a payment, Brother Mike. I still had payment tickets to pay. I had the receipts to send. I paid it off early, but I didn't make a payment. Why? It was finished. It was done. Christ said on the cross, it's finished. That is the power of redemption. That's the power of redemption. He paid for your debt. He paid for my debt. He paid for my sins when he died on the cross. I'll share an illustration with you this morning. A preacher by the name of D. M. Stearns was preaching in Philadelphia years ago. At the close of a service, after Mr. Stearns was done preaching, a stranger from the crowd came up to Mr. Stearns and he said, I don't like. I don't like the way you spoke about the cross. He said, I think that instead of emphasizing the death of Christ, it would be better if you preached about Jesus, the teacher, Jesus, the prophet, Jesus, the example. He said, I think that would be a better preaching than preaching about the cross. Mr. Stearns replied, if if I presented Christ that way to you, would you be willing to follow him? And the man said, I certainly would. His answer to Mr. Stearns, no hesitation at all. I certainly would. The preacher then said, all right. Let's take the first step that way then. Let's take the first step. He said, Jesus did no sin. If, he, if we're going to preach to you, Jesus, the example, and you're going to follow his example, the first step is, Jesus never sinned. He said, can you claim that for yourself, sir? And the man said, well, of course not. Of course not, I cannot claim that I've never sinned. The man looked a little bit confused, a little surprised. He said, No, I he said, I acknowledge that I sinned. Preacher Stearns replied, Then your greatest need is that of a savior, not an example. Christian, our greatest need was that of a savior. Now I praise God that Jesus is also our example. But my greatest need and your greatest need was a Savior. The power of redemption. Why would Jesus go to the cross? Because of the power of redemption it would bring to give you and to give me and all who would call on him a Savior. How wonderful is that? Redemption The definition means the setting free of one who was in bondage by paying the ransom price. Not only was the payment made, not only was the atonement accomplished, but the famous Baptist preacher from years ago, Dr. R.G. Lee, his most famous sermon, the sermon Payday Sunday. Wonderful old southern gentleman and preacher, Mr. R.G. Lee, visited Golgotha on his trip to Israel years ago. While Dr. Lee was there, he said to the tour guide, I want to I wanna leave the group. I want to climb up the hill. He said, I want to go up there to the top of Golgotha. The tour guide said no, and eventually Mr. Lee convinced the tour guide to let him climb the hill go to the top of that little knoll called the Place of the Skull, Golgotha. The tour guide went with them. As they reached the top, the tour guide said to Mr. Lee, have you ever been here before? Mr. Lee looked at that tour guide and said to him, Yes, sir. Some two thousand years ago, Christian, you and I, our sin was put to death on the cross of Calvary two thousand years ago. The redemption, the power of redemption of our Savior is He paid your debt and my debt on Calvary. Matthew chapter twelve, verse forty says, "For as Jonas." For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I'm going to read a poem to you. Before I do, I want to share this. Jesus was how many days? Three days and three nights. I know that religion today, because of the influence of the Catholic Church, is called the Friday before the day we call Resurrection Sunday, uh, Good Friday, that Jesus died on a Friday, and most folks all their life have believed that, uh, but I tend to believe the Bible, uh, and Jesus uh, was three days and three nights. It's kind of tough to be three days and three nights for Jesus dying on Friday, and that's not the message this morning, but I say that because in this poem that I want to read to you, the The one who wrote the poem used the day Friday. I don't believe that was the day, but I want to share that as I share this poem because the poem itself is powerful. It's Friday, and Jesus is praying, Peter is sleeping, Judas is betraying, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate is struggling, the council is conspiring, the crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary is crying, Peter is denying, but they don't know Sunday is coming. It's Friday, the Romans beat my Jesus, they robe him in scarlet, they crown him with thorns, but they don't know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary, his blood dripping, his body stumbling, and his spirit is burdened. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning, and evil is grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross, they nailed my Savior's feet to the cross, and then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. The Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross. Feeling forsaken by his father, left alone and dying, can nobody save him? Oh, but it's Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Earth trembles. The sky grows dark. My king yields his spirit. It's Friday. Hope is lost, and death has won. Sin has conquered, and Satan is laughing. It's Friday. When Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard. A rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It's only Friday. And Sunday is coming. Can I tell you that our Lord was crucified? And it was the power of redemption that was brought forth that day as Jesus cried out as it's finished. And yes, they placed him in a tomb. Yes, before that, Roman soldiers would go by and pierce his side and thrust into his heart as water and blood would come out. They would take his body dead and wrap it and place it in a borrowed tomb. Three days And three nights, darkness in every heart, sadness across the land. But Sunday did come. That Sunday morning, there was an empty tomb. There was a risen Savior that proved that he was who he says he was. And the power of redemption was made available for all. Our journey of faith is a lifelong journey. Not a journey to faith, but a journey in faith. God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly where your journey is taking you. Your purpose and my purpose is the same as our Savior's. It is to glorify the Father. And we can do that. Because of the power of redemption. Romans 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and of salvation to everyone that believeth, To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your journey to Calvary. I thank you for the power, the power of love, the power of humility. And, Lord, I thank you so much for the power of redemption. Lord, how wonderful that my sins can be forgiven, that I can have a relationship with you, that I can have a home in heaven, not based upon my goodness, not based upon my service, not based upon anything I've done, simply based on the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and my receiving and believing. Lord, I pray you bless us this morning. Lord, as we go through this week, and Christmas season, may we keep looking to that empty tomb. May we keep looking to that bloody cross as we remember why you came. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Bless us this morning, Lord. Be with us in our service to come. In your precious name we pray, amen.